All right. <clears throat> so lecture seventh, we, we've had quite this journey, haven't we, with um, uh, all of these lectures. And we talked about what faith is and uh, the correct um, precursors to it in order to obtain it. And then lecture seventh is, is all about the effects of faith. Now that we understand and, and know how to receive it, now what can we do with it and what flows from it and stuff. So anyway, uh, what, what insights did you um, take away this time from uh, lecture seventh here? Did you like it this time, Alethea? <laughs> Better than last time. <laughs> No, I thought, did I read it right where he said, like, even the world as we know it is held in place by faith? Mm -hmm. Is that what I understood? Yeah. So let's see, was that in five, I, I believe? I don't know how you, you're like Morgan Philpott. I don't know how you remember. <laughs> oh, no, we were just talking about it in our in-person one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got all over the place but like hardly anything in, in lectures well i mean we, we we did but we talked about three and we talked about five so i knew it was in there somewhere <laughs> um but yeah so uh, it was faith by which it was framed and it is by the power of faith that it continues in its organized form and by which the planets move around their orbits and sparkle forth their glory is that the one that you're referring yeah. to another one yeah there. like you know, sometimes you have faith and then you have like this little thought, like, what if that doesn't happen? Or what if it doesn't pan out? Or what if it doesn't stay this way or whatever? And, and then that kind of undermines our faith. Right. And so it just, I thought about that when I read it and thought they never have that thought or mm -hmm. else every, you know what I mean? Everything would come crashing down. Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting. And that's exactly the point of verse three, uh, just right before that. Uh -huh. So interesting how this is a, a chiastic in nature, uh, verse three. Mm -hmm. So it says that, well, let's actually ask the question first to get a framework. So let us here offer some explanation in relation to faith that our meaning may be clearly comprehended. We ask then, what are we to understand by a man's working by faith? And we answer, we understand that when a man works by faith, he works by mental exertion instead of physical force. And then a little bit later on, after it gives some examples here, it says, faith then works by words. And with these, its mightiest works have been and will be performed. So that kind of sandwiched in there in the middle is crucial to understanding how is it that Man works by mental exertion and by words. And so he gives, um, is it three examples? Anyway, so God said, let there be light and there is light. Joshua spake and the great lights which God had created stood still. Elijah commanded and the heavens were stayed for the space of three years so that it did not rain. Three years, six months, sorry. Um, he again commanded and the heavens gave forth their rain. And the Savior says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, say unto this mountain, remove, and it will remove. Or say unto that sycamine tree, be ye plucked up and planted in the midst of the sea, and it shall obey you. So uh, we were talking uh, here in person of uh, <laughs> just um, manifesting, you know, kind of the secret avenue there. And um, what it 
looks like to have faith by mental exertion, willing something into existence. It's almost kind of like that it's created spiritually first before it manifests physically and uh, all of that. But anyway, like you were saying there with the planets and the organization there, um, I, I found that principle very interesting. So have you guys experienced that type of faith where it's it's mental exertion that as long as you can stay focused and riveted on it, you know, much like Peter in uh, uh, walking on water, the slightest thing can can cause a uh, a slight sinkage, but then um, with our our eyes single to the glory and our eyes riveted on on Christ, that we can perform our mightiest works by by that kind of faith. Anyway, any ideas or, or thoughts? Well, I think Cameron, what we focus on expands. You know, if we continue to focus on one thing. That's what we concentrate our efforts into. If we're not focused, which is kind of faith because you want it to happen bad enough, you spend the time and effort to make it happen. If you're not interested, then you just kind of let it go by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of where your priorities are, what you, your beliefs and faith and what's important. I think okay. it's kind of goes... I don't know if exactly faith, but it's definitely, it's a belief to accomplish things and putting, putting forth the effort and faith to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And then kind of bringing the words into it, uh, the examples that they, um, that are being brought forth here, it's interesting that words are super essential to the the mental exertion and things and it just gives so much place for or i guess so much place it's not the right word gives so much um credence or efficacy to spoken prayers right um how often do we do that i don't know like sometimes i, I just fall into my regular rigmarole of <laughs> uh just kind of silent prayers and 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 pleadings but um where things are spoken, does that give it more efficacy in faith? Um, and we were talking about that, I think in group A, weren't we? Where um, uh, that words are, are so important in, um, in the scheme of, of faith and, and working within them. So that makes me think of some of the miracles that have been performed. Um, Oh, let's see, who was it? It was in the Old Testament when he said, go wash your eyes with clay. It was that Hezekiah, remember? Or to wash your eyes. No, I just read that in the Old Testament um, or somewhere else. But remember, he told him to go wash in mm -hmm. the river and he was upset. And then when Christ, you know, would give commands to go do something, I, mean, I think he did tell someone, the blind man, to wash his eyes with clay. So I'm just thinking, Christ spoke the words. He had the faith. But so the examples given Joshua was able to close the, the, um, was it Joshua, Elijah, the, um, heavens mm -hmm. because it was just him, but when it includes someone else, they have to do something and that's putting faith into action. So the words are spoken and that's the faith on that person's part, but then there has to be faith on the other person's part. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Again, with like Elijah uh, going down that road where um, going to the widow and uh, Mm -hmm. having it replenish and and refill, like he says it, but then it still requires that faith on the other person's part and and that mental exertion in order to to do that. Interesting, yeah. Was it the 10 lepers? They didn't have to do anything, did they? And then one of them returned. I can't remember if they did anything, but, um, and maybe sometimes that's where grace comes in because they were so ill or whatever. But even like when Christ told the man that couldn't walk, pick up your bed, he had to have the faith to pick it up. And I think that's why the woman who touched Christ's hem healed herself without him speaking the words because she had faith to do it right Mm -hmm. yeah that's a very interesting principle um that you bring up there even though words weren't spoken she she knew what she wanted and she had the faith so i don't know and then even even like when christ turned the water to wine they had to go get the water even when he multiplied the fishes and the loaves they had to gather the food that they had right to to disperse it I think it's an important principle of faith. And it's one that I've believed in a long time. We were trying to sell our house when we lived in Illinois and imagine that I had four little boys. One was 18 months. The youngest was 18 months. And whenever I was home, it was an open house. And every Saturday and Sunday, it was open. And we got home from church and we ate, we hurried and ate lunch. And then we tidied up the house and I put the open house sign out. And my second son said to me, I don't understand why we always do this. Like we clean the house and nobody comes or, you know, nobody's buying the house. And he was just complaining. And I said, that was, it was like the spirit put those words in my mouth. And it's something I've believed ever since I said, you're right. But if we don't clean the house and we don't get ready, we could have the open house and the person that's supposed to buy it could come and look, but they may not want it. And I said, faith without works is dead. And I have just believed in that so much. Like faith is a principle that we have to believe, but I think there's also an action. It's putting faith into action. And that's what we see in those, in those miracles and healings in the scriptures is there has to to be an action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I'm looking at verse six and uh, act is popping out at me. Um, I just have to say that day, the people that bought our house came. It was either that, yeah. I think it was that day. Yeah. <laughs> we sold our house that day. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, so yeah, along that line, yeah, verse six, as faith then is the principle by which the heavenly hosts perform their works and by which they enjoy all their felicity, we might expect to find it set forth in a revelation from God as the principle upon which his creatures here below must act in order to obtain the felicities enjoyed by the saints in the eternal world. And so um, interesting there, the, the acting being a key principle of that, um, like it says here, uh, his creatures here below must act in order to receive the the same blessings there. Um, And that's the thing I've talked about a lot is can God make miracles 
make something out of nothing? Yeah, because manna came and there, maybe there was something up there. We just don't know what it was, but manna appeared to come from nothing. They mm -hmm. struck a rock and water came. Their clothes lasted 40 years. So I guess there was something to make the clothes last 40 years. Can he do it? He can, but he wants us to be like joint creators with him. Yeah. And, and do our part in that process. Yeah, I love that. He always wants to share with us in, mm -hmm. in that. And it's uh, a way that he teaches us too. And brings us more into his sphere. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites was, was from verse nine here. It says, or what is the difference between a saved man and one who is not saved? We answer from what we have before seen of the heavenly worlds. They must be persons who can work by faith, who are able by faith to be ministering spirits to them who shall be heirs of salvation. I found that to be like one of the hugest principles in um, this lecture seventh year of what is the difference between a saved man and one who is not. I, I love all throughout uh, lecture seven, um, Joseph or whoever's writing this is like, can we say it any more plain? <laughs> like they, they keep iterating that, um, that faith is so crucial to how everything works. Um, and uh, that, that principle there, being saved versus not saved. Uh, I think we can learn a lot from that. Cameron, um, yeah, that part stood out to me too. And um yeah, just what, okay, sorry. So faith to be ministering spirits to them who shall be heirs of salvation. Um, what does that look like to you? What is that? Like, is that kind of the Isaiah's ladder thing that it's referring to? Or like, who are the, um, yeah, what, what that was one of the first things that, that popped in my head when uh, I was reading that I was like, oh, I don't think I would have totally understood that without uh, a framework for the ladder and, and the ministry that's happening on you all up and down. And, and so, so is that in the context of like, when it says by faith to be ministering spirits is, I mean, is that referring to this life? Is that, why is this, this yeah, sorry. I'm just trying to figure okay. it out. Like clearly it like, um, is yeah. it, is it talking about the, the, the faith that spirits have to have to be able to minister? Or, I mean, I know we also as well, but like, anyways, I don't know. Is it mm -hmm. talking about a specific realm? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. So like taking a, a look at the, the beginning of it. So it says, as all the visible creation is an effect of faith, so is salvation also. And so it's kind of this, this two-part um, uh, scenario here that, that it's going to dive into. 
And uh, to clarify, it says, we mean salvation in its most extensive latitude of interpretation, whether it is temporal or spiritual. Oh, yeah. And so I think that we're, we're, we're kind of hitting two, two nails on the head with, with this one. It says, in order to have this subject clearly set before the mind, let us ask what situation must a person be in in order to be saved? And so, um, uh, like it says there, uh, in its most extensive latitude of interpretations, temporal and spiritual, I think that we can um, refer to this as, you know, ministering spirits, ministering angels, and, um, and their work that they do, uh, as well as those here, where, uh, you know, we are spirits, we uh, currently have a a body attached to them, uh, but we are ministering and ministering to those who will be heirs of salvation. Uh, heirs of salvation can, you know, always uh, be substituted with uh, the elect heirs of salvation there. And so, yeah. Well, also it says we answer what we have before. We answer, let's see. We answer from what we have before seen of the heavenly world. So that means, I don't know, that that kind of brings a little bit more depth into it, I think. Uh-huh, yeah. Not just our world, heavenly. I mean, there's more than one heavenly world. Yeah, and, and the pattern is the pattern, and it all works by faith there. And, and like it says, we have before seen. Like, okay, so take it in context of Joseph Smith, Sidney Rigdon, those that are helping uh, these brethren in uh, Kirtland and Nauvoo uh, receive these lectures. Where have they before seen them? Right. And, um, what exactly. kind of context is that? Yeah, I love that. So are they saying that in order to be saved, like there's things we need to do and we have to have faith in those things that we do, the covenants we make? Is that what it's saying? Uh-huh, yeah. So you have to be able to work by faith. If you don't have that ability, then it's it not qualifying for that salvation yet. But as you do, um learn how to to work by faith then you naturally go and use that faith to bring others to that same salvation once you are saved you uh, what you bring others who are heirs unto that thing so like uh, isaiah's letter i think is a, a perfect uh, way to describe that reaching down and uh, helping others along their path once you get there it's not just to be there alone um, but we see, as we've seen before, the heavenly pattern, but in order to be saved, you have to be ministered to and brought to that level. And once you're there, you have to learn how to work by faith in order to bring others to that station as well. And I love how it, how it goes into the, uh, you know, where is the prototype and that's exactly Christ, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. but I just, it's. It, it, again, just that emphasis of what is possible for us to become and, and 
how anyways this is just so amazing like compared to what we how we kind of brush aside the be perfect you know it's always kind of that like oh you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of a future event in the next life or something I don't know but um it's just so clear like how it just seems to emphasize it so much in that part over and over and over yeah so like just kind of reading on from where we were and what constitutes the real difference between a saved person and one not saved is the difference in the degree of their faith one has faith or let's see one's faith has become perfect enough to lay hold upon eternal life and the other has not and so um interesting there's a a podcast coming up on uh megan farner's uh thing that i'm i just got done editing um and the the guest on there i'm not going to give the whole thing away so you got to listen to it um anyway he gives an example of the way greeks look at the word perfect and the way hebrews look at the word perfect and if we're looking at the greek way it's kind of like when a, a pianist goes to perform a concert and there was no mistakes that's perfection right but that's not the way that hebrews look at perfection they look at it as like a tree that that grows and bears the fruit that it's supposed to bear um it you know the apple doesn't it can be uh, small and big and taste a little bit different but if it fulfills the measure of its creation if it grows and produces fruit that is perfect because was it patrick dane it wasn't but he, okay because <laughs> he was over. totally touching on that in that class and it's <laughs> so cool sorry to interrupt yeah, go ahead <laughs> i love it I, I should recommend uh patrick dane to her to uh, do as a uh, spot too but anyway it I think that that's just so beautiful that perfection isn't this pigeonhole or box that we've created that is just no mistakes. It's it's about fulfilling, like being created or organized by a loving God. And if you learn faith, learn how to grow and, and act within faith, you are producing that fruit and that is perfect and and that's what uh, uh, verse nine is, is all about and with that fruit you then go and let others partake and I, I mean it's all over the adam and eve story this this perfection here but um uh, creation and and adam and eve are all about perfection not being without mistakes but about fulfilling the measure that they were created for and I, anyway I, I just think that that's so cool that was in beloved bridegroom they talked about if if you're on the path if you're doing what you're supposed to do trying is you know trying then they would pronounce you perfect mm-hmm. you had it wasn't the end point it was the path you were on to get to the end point yeah so. that is so cool yeah. yeah. If, if you're trying and have learned how to do faith, because that is one prerequisite in it. Well, yeah. but you're not going to try if you don't have faith. Mm-hmm. You're not even going to try. So just trying and doing those things is a um, proof of your faith. And the, 
to a degree, that, I think. Yeah, yeah. The things that you do every day, you wouldn't do them. Like I wouldn't be coming to this group if I didn't think it was, you know, that I have faith that I'm going to mm. learn and the spirit's going to teach me. Um, and that the faith propels you to do more and more things and learn and, and grow. You wouldn't do anything if you didn't have faith that it was going to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like lecture one and lecture two, or first and second, sorry. Um, uh, talk about that, right? Like everything that we do, like, look at it. Is there anything that isn't done by faith? And so uh, how do we then um, take that and, and use it towards the salvation? How do we become saved? We become perfect enough in, in, to lay hold upon eternal life. Uh, yeah, that, that path there. Um, sorry, the chat here. So um, Elle I says- a bunch of stuff in the chat. <laughs> I was just thinking while you guys were talking. <laughs> But yeah, so um, so faith requires a belief and a desire. So the famous idiom, where there's a will, there's a way, says that if someone has the desire and determination to do something, he or she can find a method for accomplishing. Yeah. I mean, and then the example, I just, somebody had posted a quote from this book and I went and searched for it and I had, I looked and it just had a chapter. I just downloaded it today on belief. And it's, you know, whether we believe the sun's going to come up in the morning, you know, and he just gives an example of driving a car. You know, we believe that people will keep the laws on the road and that we won't have an accident. It's yeah. just, you know, it's all in our belief system, um, whether we can or can't do something. I think a lot of people in the church don't believe in all the promises that are in the scriptures. You know, mm -hmm. and so I think that limits them because their belief is that's well, that's not possible for me. That's not what normal people can do, or where that was reserved for the apostles and the prophets, but it's not for me. And so that belief stymies them and I think keeps them from progressing. Mm -hmm. So it's all in what we believe and whether we have faith that anything is possible with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's in verse 13. Mm -hmm. Where he's talking about his apostles, his disciples. Uh -huh. But the whole thing about um like he wants us to be one he he wants us to be one with him and the father as he's one with the father. And that just and the glory which thou gavest me, I give them that they may be one, even as we are one. Like, I just thought that was really um, overwhelming, I guess is the word. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, I know that he tells us he wants us to have everything he has. In my finite mind, I think of, I don't want to say more. I don't think of it as a relational thing as much. I don't know how I think of it, but it's not as much relational. Even though I know that I want to align my will with his, I don't think of it as, I don't know. That was just a new thought for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
um, I guess being one with him is more being on equals. And I have never thought about it as being more equal, or maybe I'm looking at it wrong. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, going back to, to lecture fifth, sorry, I should have scrolled before I shared the screen, um, where he introduces that principle, right? Um, so he talks about uh, Christ possessing the same mind with the Father, which mind is the Holy Spirit. And um, there's the injunction to, to be perfect, uh, to live that law. It is within our um, ability to do so. And then at the very end of lecture fifth is that, and all those who keep his commandments shall grow up from grace to grace and become heirs of the heavenly kingdom and join heirs with Jesus Christ. And here, possessing the same mind, not just like you were saying, like maybe relational or, or whatever, but this is the same mind being transformed yeah. into the same image or likeness, even the express image of him who fills all in all. Being it, filled just, it just didn't hit me, even though we studied that until here. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, and even like when you first started reading there in lecture five, it was like you can possess the same mind that he has through the Holy ghost. So it wasn't, it was still like we are here, not there was something in between like a mediator in between where now it feels like, no, there's no mediator. It's like you're one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just thought that was really for me, it just hit me more than it has before. And there was another one that was interesting and I was trying to find it when it said that um, it's by faith, that's how angels move is by faith. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that one? Um, I'm looking at, uh, let's see. I remember it in here. <laughs> I can't remember which verse it's in. Yeah, I can't either. And I was promising. Oh, verse four, I did a command F. Oh. Angels move from place to place by virtue of this power. It's right in the middle after the semi, after the colon. Yeah. And interesting, it's by reason of it that they are enabled to descend from heaven to earth. And were it not by the power of faith, they never could be ministering spirits to them who should be heirs of salvation. So that's a lot like verse nine, mm -hmm. right? Where it was yeah. talking all about that. Yeah. And neither could they act as heavenly mess messengers for they would be destitute of the power necessary to enable them to do the will of God if they didn't have faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I hadn't put that in that they were like, identical so again i'm all about chiastic structure right <laughs> that was one that i had not noticed yet mm -hmm. and and even right before that it's really cool for every reflecting mind must know that it is by reason of this power that all the hosts of heaven perform their works of wonder majesty and glory those are like some big words powerful mm -hmm. words yeah. That, and you know what? That makes me think of President Nelson when he said that we will see the greatest miracles are yet to come. Mm 
right? Mm -hmm. I think that that goes right along with wonder, majesty, and glory. Mm -hmm. And it's by faith. Yeah. And I don't think that there's any coincidence that we've been down the road that we're on and we're, we're studying faith in the lectures now um, for our own personal mighty miracles and, and things that we are to perform. I think that that's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot in this one. Lecture seven's a little bit bigger than the others. So I'm just looking again at five where it says, so then faith is truly the first principle in the science of theology. And I was brought back to me saying that we only do everything out of faith. And then I thought that's not true. There's a lot of people in the world that do things out of fear, uh -huh. especially during the um, apostasy church, you know, churches used it as a way of power and control and they did it through fear. And so I guess, I guess we have to be sure we're not doing things out of fear that we should be doing it out of faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really love that sentence there, um, which I don't know, like try putting this in into different words or like, what is this sentence really saying? So it says, um, first principle in the science of theology, and when understood, leads the mind back to the beginning and carries it forward to the end. Or in other words, from eternity to eternity. Like, what does that look like? So, okay, if we understand faith, it's truly the first principle. And in, mm -hmm. in the science of theology, in the science of approaching deity, when understood, when we finally understand it, and uh, the other lectures have, have let us know that when faith is understood, we receive our calling and election made sure. So when, when it's understood, it leads the mind back to the beginning and carries it forward to the end. That sounds a lot like the vision of all, the cosmic vision, the panoramic vision that many of the prophets talk about, right, in scripture. Or in other words, from eternity to eternity. So when we have faith and we get to a station where our faith is perfect and fulfilled the measure of its creation, we are given an opportunity to, to view it all in order that we might better minister to those who are heirs of salvation and bring them to the same blessings that, that we have have done like I think that fruit is, is such a, a powerful analogy there like the tree bearing fruit and and others partaking and therefore starting on on their journey as well and so that they can become trees that are bearing fruit and um becoming perfect but um that this vision is 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 a natural outborn of it it's not just for a hey you've finally completed the level now here's a, a cool movie to watch it's all for a purpose. It's for us to to be better ministering spirits to to those who are heirs of salvation. That was a, a huge one for me. And I forgot to say what my whole point of bringing that up about fear and faith. Oh yeah. Um, but I remember now that I'm just really grateful to live at a time where I can choose faith and not fear. Right? Like that 
we live in a time where the agency in theology in the yeah. church is honored rather than being made fearful. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> we have lots of history that that is to the contrary and uh, right. how blessed we are. But you know, that that's not going to last forever either. We have lots of prophecies when it's not going to be great for Christians or, or believers, is it? You know, as you're talking about that, it just this opens up so much just as far as you know the faith and the fear and the and then you're talking about the fruits and everything and just feeling it like so strong the the fact that like with like faith the fruits of faith are becoming one with god and and being of one mind one heart with god and becoming like him and all that entails and then and then the fear mentality of like if you're you're doing things in fear that fruit is even if you're you know a good member or whatever the fruit of that is when it's just fear based is like the checklist mentality and that if i just do this then i'm safe and i'm you know you know, and then somehow I inherit this mansion, you know, and it's mm -hmm. anyways, it's just so it was just really hitting me like when you guys were talking about that, just like just a complete difference in that picture and and just such an invitation for me to yeah, really look at if it's faith or fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um Kathy says in, in the chat, I wonder how much faith President Nelson is using that we are doing what he asked of us. I wonder how much faith he has put into us. Also, does God have faith in us holding up to our forwardinations? I think those are some loaded questions there. <laughs> I love it. But yeah. I, but I read that a minute ago and it made me think if President Nelson has faith in us, that's a power. And does it give us more strength in being faithful? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, look at like apostolic blessings and uh, things that are um, specifically stated, like, like, I am giving you this, like, I bless you because of my faith and, and the things that I know, like, mm -hmm. I think that all falls right along in, in line with that. And it's up to us if we, we take that and let it work within us you know i mean we can we can hear things but if we actually let them water the seed within our our own soul and and have that uh, like you said work uh within us um uh, but it also that second question about does he have to have faith in us in our forward nations i don't know because he knows the end from the beginning so is it faith or is it a knowledge? Yeah, very good question. I don't know. Well, it's a hope for us. And it's an opportunity that he gives us knowing that we may not do it or that we don't do it. 
but it's also an opportunity that he hopes will take. I don't know. But he, but, but that's, I think that's the thing that has op that opened up to my mind was, you know, if God is creating everything by faith, I don't know. It was, it was such a, it was such a blow your mind moment when I'm just really reading this and seeing that God does everything by faith. And like, why would God need faith? Cause he knows and from the beginning he knows all this and he just does it but yeah I, I i don't know to me it makes sense that he would still have faith in that in us holding up to our coordinations but yeah so much to try to wrap my head around <laughs> mm -hmm. that's cool kind of going uh, along that line with verse 10 uh seeing if this holds any uh insights into it so he's talking about uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, 548, be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. And then um, Joseph or, or whoever's writing this at the time says, if any should ask, why all of these sayings? Uh, because, you know, this verse contains lots of little scriptures. The answer is to be found from what is before quoted from John's epistle, that when he, the Lord, shall appear, the saints will be like him. And if they are not holy as he is holy and perfect as he is perfect, they cannot be like him. For no being can enjoy his glory without possessing his perfections and holiness. No more than they could reign in his kingdom without his power. And I just found that so powerful and poignant that to enjoy his glory without possessing his perfections and holiness is, is contrary, that we have to be like him. And so, you know, many times we say like, oh yeah, well, uh, as soon as we, we hear that he's coming, then we'll, we'll start getting on it. But we've already got to be on that, that course. We've already got to be perfecting ourselves, becoming holy and um, obtaining his perfections and character and attributes and, and all of that which is interesting because what did we study from character perfections attributes what are perfections perfections are attributes but in their infinite sense and um so many times when we take uh, a word um uh, we're, we're amplifying it right and uh, let me show you my list again sorry because I keep referencing this, like it was such an aha moment to me. But um, so knowledge is an attribute, but per perfect knowledge is a perfection, right? Like we're we're taking an attribute and perfecting it, and we have a word for that. That's his omniscience, uh, faith or power. Uh, when we're taking it to its perfect sense, that's omnipotence. Uh, you know, we're using a Latin version of it versus what the, the Hebrew says, but um, in that verse that we were just reading down in lecture seven, that we've got to become perfect as he is perfect and, and actually possess these same perfections um, if we are to be joint heirs with him. And anyway, that it was blowing my mind when I read that. And I was like, oh, it, it's not for the next life. It's not to like, like the the five unwise virgins oh the 
they just announced that that he's coming let us go buy some oil it's the middle of the night it's not possible we already have to be on that that trajectory and um have assimilated those things in our lives cameron did you post that chart under late lectures of faith on learning zion um, I haven't because it's just such a, a working document and I'm just <laughs> revamping oh. things as <laughs> okay. I, I speak all the time. But when I when I get it completed, I'll definitely put all of that okay. on because it. it has like all of the lectures and like different running themes throughout the different things. And I want to like okay. finish the chiastic structure on it too. So, but yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, when it. you can finish it. <laughs> it looks really interesting and we just get bits and pieces of it. But yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> Yep, that's where you get my mind. My mind's not like <laughs> the safers where it's perfect and everything is scattered like crazy. Well, you got good insights, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it's interesting, the power of word studies and, and word searches and really diving into those. And so oh, that's yeah. where that chart came from was just like. A word study. Yeah. Yep, it, I, I got, study one, the, from I got the one the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading in Isaiah and it just, it just came to me and I thought, look up that word. And I was like, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so I did a huge word study on it and it's like, just interesting. It's, yeah. Yeah. We think we know the definitions and synonyms of words. And until we really look them up, then it becomes really powerful. And if you look up the Greek or the Hebrew or yeah, <laughs> you get more. Yeah. Until you gain a knowledge and mastery over language itself it, it it's amazing how pigeonholed our vocabulary or our daily vocabulary is right like mm -hmm. but just studying words being nerdiest of all nerdies and just reading the dictionary is one of the funnest experiences of like oh I had no idea that's what that meant or the the nuances mm -hmm. behind uh our limited language well that's where my best language? yeah that's where my best studies come from when i read in the scriptures and i look up a word to find out more about it and like it just opens up so much insight mm -hmm. so yeah we'll get really good at it as we're going through the topical guide studies we're going to be <laughs> well i mean i i'm going to be doing lots of word studies and and things like that hopefully everybody else will uh, find it fun but <laughs> yeah we'll have to all work hard <laughs> yeah. um Cameron can I just mm -hmm. just a thought that um I had as um number seven kind of stood out to me or for seven whatever you call it um just saying that when it was saying that um that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, and I just thought that was, what came to mind was um, just how in, you know, just right off the bat in Isaiah, it, it essentially God is really unpleased, <laughs> displeased, mm -hmm. whatever you call it, displeased uh, with, with the, the, you know, vain offerings or the you know all these offerings and sacrifices and ordinances are like worthless he's not pleased with them and it just 
like it really that stood out to me of like okay like again that how we can do these things and um but you can do it without faith you know and and anyways again just something for me to think about when I am you know when I am engaging in any kind of ordinance or making any kind of sacrifice is it out of faith so that you know it actually would please God and and um yeah and bring me closer to him in that sense but anyway mm -hmm. just a lot I love it yeah I think that there's a, a ton to be said there for that um that principle of, of pleasing God. And, um, you know, as we are aligning our will with his, wanting the same thing, uh, like it says, as God desires the salvation of man, you know, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of all men. And so as we grow in faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God because that's his desire. And what is the effects of faith? It is turning around and, and ministering to others and, and not out of checklists and, and, and fear-based uh, mentality, but out of pure faith. I love that. Um, any other insightful verses or, or comments there on any of lecture seventh? There's so many fun things. I really like uh, verse 16. Um, so it says, these teachings of the Savior must clearly show us the nature of salvation and what he proposed unto the human family when he proposed to save them, that he proposed to make them like unto himself. And he was like the father, the great prototype of all saved beings. And for any portion of the human family to be assimilated into their likeness, is to be saved and to be unlike them is to be destroyed on this hinge turns the doors of salvation i mean i think that that's just such beautiful like poetic language here but um the fact that that it really is about agency and and a choice it's, it's a hinge that turns the doors of salvation we either want it or we don't and we've already proven once in the premortal councils that we did want this. And so we are here now learning and growing by faith so that we can please God and um, come to be like him. Uh, that, that's the whole plan. And um, anyway, I, I think it's so beautiful how, how verse 16 uh, points that out. Yeah, any other comments and things before we wrap up for the night? Uh, lecture seventh is is an awesome one. There's so many um, great and powerful truths in here, just like all the lectures. Um, next week, we're, we're going to be studying a uh, that case for, for decanonization. Um, so the format for next week is, is just kind of a uh, an interesting one. We're going to 
study that decanonization just really quick at the beginning, and then we're just going to open it up for testimonies and um, things that we've learned from lectures as a whole. Like, how has this impacted you and your study and your faith and and your um, your life just in general? Like, where do you go from here now that you've had the the lectures on on faith? um discussed and and all these ideas brought about so anyway uh next week just kind of uh have the the decanonization uh thing read ahead of time i'll send that out in an email again it's on learning zion but i'm also going to email it out um it's a, just a, a quick little seven page uh small font <laughs> um but anyway have that one read and then we'll discuss that really quick and then uh, go into to testimonies afterward but um yeah any other comments or questions or or anything let's see um there was something else that i was going to say but i forgot what it was anyway <laughs> well find it out i i forget which groups I, i've told about like the hebrew class and uh, all of those kind of things but um Anyway, we've got some fun uh, guest um, uh, scheduled for, for next year. Uh, we're going to have Linda Cherry and, and Donald Perry and uh, Carrie Muelstein. I'm working on on Avraham. I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll do it. He's just a little busy at the moment filming his other stuff. But um, uh, Sean Hopkin, we've got lined out and Tammy. Uh, Hall uh, has agreed to do it. We just need to schedule a date. But anyway, lots of fun people are going to help us learn Hebrew uh, throughout this next year. So um, those will all be recorded, you know, if if Thursday nights don't work for you. But um, if you haven't gotten registered, the registration is basically just to be kept informed because I'm not going to be announcing and uh, blasting everybody that's not interested in Hebrew uh, with that information all the time. So even if you just wanna keep up to date with um, what's happening in that class, then go ahead and register. Uh, you don't have to come to class every single time or anything that registration is not locking you into anything. It's just getting you on the email list uh, in order to uh, be aware of, of all those things or to, to get the recordings afterwards and stuff like that. But yeah, anyway, if there's nothing else for the night, we'll, we'll say goodnight, but we'll see you next week for a, a fun testimony meeting of sorts, I guess. <laughs> All right. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> we'll see y'all later.